This and the following nine episodes of the Restless Hearts podcast were recorded between June 26th and July 1st, 2023 at the Dominican Retreat and Conference Center in Niskayuna, New York. During that week, I offered a preached retreat for women who are vowed members of religious communities. The overall theme of the retreat was God's ways revealed through women in scripture and tradition. The first conference introduces that theme, and I explain how and why I chose to explore it. I have some handouts for you for tonight. Let's, let's start with, with this. This is a, a fairly short article that was published in America Magazine in 2018. November 2000, December 2018, which is significant. And we can email this to the folks online. We did, we did. okay, they've got that, great. There we go, there we go. So December 2018, 2018 was, uh, was one of the best years of my life and one of the worst years of my life. Um, in 2018, I began the summer of 2018, or early, late in the spring, and I was meeting with the president of Merrimack, and I said, um, Chris, at the end of the summer, on August 27th, I will celebrate my 40th anniversary of my profession of vows as an Augustinian. I said, right now, in this summer, I'm celebrating my 10th year. I've just finished my 10th year working here at Merrimack. And in November of this year, on November 26th, I will celebrate the 35th anniversary of my ordination to the priesthood. And he responded with, we have to have a party. And I said, great, but first I'm taking the summer off. <laughs> and I had a wonderful summer. Um, I, yeah, I spent two weeks in the Holy Land, traveling with Sister Barbara Reed and uh, folks from the Catholic Theological Union in Chicago best experience I've had traveling a long time. Here was the key. I went alone and joined this group, which meant I had no one to worry about but me, <laughs> and had a blast, met new people, had a great time, and learned a ton about uh, the scriptures and about the Holy Land. There's nothing quite like seeing it in the geography, and, and I started tracing the, you know, where was he going? Because he's bouncing all over the place. We don't even notice that in the Gospels. But seeing where he was traveling around and, and, and all that was, was really, really enlightening and wonderful. And a little later in the summer, I made a 30-day directed retreat at Eastern Point in Gloucester, Massachusetts, right on the water. And another fabulous, deep, renewing experience. And I will be referring to that at, at various points during the week, some things that, um, <laughs> you know, when you do Ignatius things, it's your imagination. But then, of course, that becomes revelation, but it's just not canonical. So I will be sharing things about some things I, I experienced in the scriptures that, for me, is absolutely infallible and definitive, but it doesn't count for anybody else. But <laughs> take it from there. Um, but during that month, you know, because on a directed retreat, while you're not watching TV or doing, you know, avoiding your email, they do let you read the newspaper. And during that month, every day there was a story. That was, the, that was the month that 
that um, attorney, the, the grand jury report in Pennsylvania about clergy sexual abuse came out. And it was like, ugh. and uh, Cardinal McCarrick was in the news. And, and then I'm getting information because I was on the provincial council um, about some cases that our community was dealing with. And they were going to hit the news. And I'm like, this is awful. And I remember going to um, the parish where I, I do Sunday masses. The, the Sunday after I returned from my retreat, when I should just be filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And all I could say to everybody who was gathered there is like, why are you still here? Why are you still here? And I said, well, maybe it's because you realize that the waiters don't make the restaurant. And the one who serves the meal might be more important than the waiters who serve it. So let's see, we'll see where we go. So some interesting things came out of that. I remember writing a, a little article that got put out on the, uh, the priest's um, continuing education stuff on this. And it was called um, uh, Humiliated But Not Humbled. And that kind of became a theme, which I still think we are struggling with, that whole experience has utterly humiliated the institutional church. I haven't seen it humble it yet. I'm still waiting for that. So we'll see how that happens. And then in December, um, just before the big party that the president had planned for me, this article, that's this article that you have came out in America Magazine um, by a priest, another male, talking about how at these different moments in the history of salvation, when everything that had been in the hands of the men was falling apart at the seams, somehow or another, in the strangest ways, without anybody planning it, predicting it, something, God does something through and in and with a woman or women that change things. And we'll talk about all of these, these women during the course of the, of the week. But um, it'll, it'll start with the, the midwives the, just before the Exodus who wouldn't kill the Hebrew children. We'll talk about them tomorrow, big time. Talks about Hannah, and that one really struck me. The story of Hannah. Because Hannah in the first, is the mother of Samuel, the prophet, comes after the book of Judges ends, and everything is in utter disarray. And Eli, the priest, is running a shrine where people come. And lo and behold, if you come to that shrine because you still have some kind of faith in the God who redeemed Israel and you're seeking to offer your sacrifice and make intercession, you go to the shrine, chances are the sons of Eli would somehow rob you or abuse you. And that's the, that's the situation. And Hannah arrives there and experiences all these things that leads to the birth of Samuel and the first prophet emerges in Israel, somehow in the midst of that, that whole mess. And then it, it comes up to, of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the women at the resurrection and all that sort of thing, and how every time, so that started gotten into my head, like, what, what might God still be doing and probably is doing? And you know, how do we pay attention to that? And then earlier this year, around Christmas time, before, I think it was before Christmas, uh, one of my colleagues 
recommended um, a series of books that he had found. And they're by uh, an author named Jonathan Sachs, S-A-C-K-S. -S. And I, I'm going to give you these papers too with a lot of this written down on. Um, Jonathan Sachs is a rabbi. I believe he's still alive, although he is retired. And he had been the chief rabbi of, of Great Britain. Uh, and he wrote, he's written a lot of books, but he wrote this series of books called Covenant and Conversation. And what he does, it's a, um, in the rabbinical world, there's the weekly Torah reading. And he explains how it appears, you get this big sheet, and in the center of the sheet is the actual section of the scriptures that you're, they're going to grapple with that week. And then all around it, the great commentaries by the rabbis through the centuries um, on that passage, arguing over what it might mean. And in the course of that, it goes into incredible detail and depth of things that I never noticed because I don't know enough about it. But when you're reading it in the original Hebrew and you're grappling with one piece at a time and they're arguing over the, the placement of the vowel sounds and why is this word used three times and this word only used two times? And why is there a period here where there should be a column? Why, are there, why does it end abruptly when the sentence doesn't finish? And they find meaning in all of that. And I started reading these books. Of course, there's five of them, one for each of the five books of, of the covenant of the Torah. And I'm enthralled. It's like, I thought I knew these books. I taught these books. I preach on these books. I thought I knew them. I don't know anything about these books. And strikingly, it just kept appearing that while the story is all about, you know, the main characters of the story are all male. They keep having encounters with women and experiences with women that change them or perplex them or shame them. And these encounters keep becoming more and more revelatory of what God is actually trying to say and invite all of us into. So that kind of like, that's where I started paying attention to this whole theme around um, what is God revealing through the women of the scriptures instead of just what God, what we've been focused so much attention on, on what he's done through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and um, the judges and Saul and David and the prophets, all of whom the prophets in the scriptures are male, except they're not the only ones that the scriptures refer to. There are women prophets and taking us right up into the, and while in the New Testament, women are all over the place, um, men remain the main characters. And, and I've done all kinds of other reading around this, about you know, the place of, of women in the whole structure of things. Um, and so I ended up subtitling this retreat, um, quoting Paul to the Corinthians, first letter to the Corinthians. Um, you know, so God's ways revealed through women in scripture and tradition. And the subtitle is, God has chosen the weak of the world to shame the strong. And that's not the only thing that women do, but there's a lot of that. The encounters that the men in the scriptures continually have with women that are truly revelatory. The women reduce the men to some kind of shame, which is good news and bad news. Sometimes the shame leads to real transformation and conversion. 
sometimes, as shame is wont to do, we react very differently. But that doesn't take away from the message that's been delivered. So what I'm hoping to do this week is to see if we can't hear front and center and loud and clear what God is actually trying to say to us through the experiences of women as they are contained in the scriptures and in the, in the tradition of the church. I've got some interesting stories from women in the, in the tradition of the church, and you probably have better ones than I do, um, so they would be welcome, welcome to talk about. And given the truth that despite the fact that these voices have, have, been, have spoken, even in the scriptures, they're muted. The rabbis managed to amplify them and make them loud and clear and had to take them seriously. But even as the scriptures are being composed, you can see the voices of women are, are muted and silenced and kind of disappear. Um, but that doesn't mean they haven't spoken and that God's word hasn't reverberated and that God's word doesn't get muted, no matter how hard we try. So that's what I'm hoping maybe we can do is take the mute button off um, some of our understandings of how God has revealed God's desires for us, and God's will for us, um, and particularly using the voices of women. So you have that article from America, might help. Um, I don't have copies of the, the Jonathan Sachs books because um, they're on my nook. Just <laughs> much better, it's easier to hold than a book. Um, I've also used, and we'll talk a little bit about this book, um, which is a bit of a classic. It's, it's Elizabeth Johnson, um, Sister of St. Joseph, one of her many books called Consider Jesus. And um, she has a couple of very nice chapters um, on feminist Christology and Jesus as a feminine presence. We'll be referring to that sometimes. Um, and um, it's a book that I, I use this book a little bit. I teach a course at Merrimack, a graduate course. We have a, a master's degree in spirituality and spiritual direction. And I teach a course in there called Christian Spirituality, um, which is fascinating because um, I insisted on, on starting, I insist on starting the course on the spirituality of Jesus of Nazareth, which is as far from Christian spirituality as we seem to be able to get. Mm -hmm. And use a book by Albert Nolan called Jesus Before Christianity, which is, which is just terrific and opens that up. And, but um, and he... Um, he wrote that book before this one, but this has some very interesting things about um, how can the male figure of Jesus reveal the feminine face of God um, and the feminine reality, the fullness of God's being. So we'll look at that a little bit. Um, another book I used in that course was a book by a Jesuit, Roger Haight, H-A-I-G-H-T, um, called uh, Spiritual and Religious. Explore, explorations for seekers. And I, that book was really helpful to students trying to understand the place of Christianity in the current contemporary scene and what it might need to do to be able to find its voice again. Um, and that had, that had some really good stuff in it. Um, there's another book, again, all these books are on my nook, <laughs> but a fascinating book, which we'll make a little bit of reference to. So Albert Nolan wrote Jesus Before Christianity. He wrote that in 1980, and it's been re reprinted a few times. And, um, still, still a classic. But there's another book that just came out this last year called After Jesus, 
before Christianity. And it's exploring the evidence beyond what we get in the canonical scriptures about the first 200 years of Christianity as the church was being developed. You hit the year 200, and then you start getting specifically Christian writings in abundance because they started to fight with each other over theology. And so that's the patristic start there. Um, but we don't really know a lot what happened up to that point. Um, and this is uncovering some very interesting things. And it didn't, the, the mute button on women didn't get pushed in 50 AD. It took another 150 years to really push that down. So there's some stuff in there that we'll, we'll take a look at and see where we go. And finally, I do have copies of these, even though they're not mine. <laughs> a friend of mine who's a sister of St. Joseph of Philadelphia. Um, I told her I was doing this, and she said, you have these books? I said, nope. So there's three volumes called, one is called Woman Word, which is, well, that's the women of the New Testament. So part one of the Hebrew scriptures, women of the Hebrew scriptures called Women Wisdom. Um, and then part two is uh, Women Witness, Woman Witness, and part three is Woman Word. They're all written by uh, Miriam Therese Winter, um, whose name sounded familiar. And then I realized why when I opened the cover and noticed that um, Miriam Therese Winter is a, a medical missionary sister who became famous in the 1960s, appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show, singing the number one hit in the country, Joy is Like the Rain. Um, and she has gone on to some pretty spectacular things in her career that had nothing to do with singing on Ed Sullivan, but has, has done some really good stuff. So these have some very interesting um, takes on the, the women that appear. And she's got three volumes of them. I had no idea they were all there. So we're not going to look at all of them, but we'll pick out a sampling of them and, and then we'll see how, how, this, how this goes from here. Um, so that's, that's the plan. And as Sue said, um, this retreat is between you and God, you and the Holy Spirit, um, not me and you. I'm going to babble up here for 30, 30 to 40 minutes at each of the conferences. You can take what you want from that. You can disagree with it. You can, um, you can tell me that I haven't gone far enough, which I probably haven't because I'm terminally male and I have no idea what it's like to be a woman, no clue whatsoever. Um, but again, I've been having these uh, experiences of being, having my mind and heart opened to the word of God in ways that hasn't happened in a long time, um, paying attention to this way. So that's what I'm gonna try to offer, offer this week. Um, we will have, so we'll have two conferences a day, except on Thursday. We have one conference and then Exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, we'll have liturgy each day. And um, well, we'll pretty much do the readings of the day the feasts this week are all male feasts. <laughs> um, we have saints. Let's have, there was a request online if you could say the title again of Elizabeth Johnson's book and Roger Height's book. Okay, Elizabeth Johnson's book is called Consider Jesus, Ways of Renewal in Christology. And I have a, I have a handout with all this on it, which we will email to them. Okay, I, we'll email you the bibliography. Um, but it's Consider Jesus, Ways of Renewal in Christology by Elizabeth Johnson. And Roger Height's book is... Um, Spiritual and religious explorations for seekers. Um, so, so we're saying the liturgy of this week is a little, maybe a little male heavy, but we'll see what we can do with that. We're going to hear a little bit about Abraham. We're going to celebrate the feast of Cyril of Alexandria, Irenaeus uh, of Antioch, 
Peter and Paul, <laughs> the first martyrs of the Church of Rome, many of whom were women. We'll get to them. And, um, and then we'll, we'll see, see where that takes us as well. Um, and again, there's the sign-up sheet for if you want to have a chat with me or celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation. We will be having a communal penance service on Thursday evening with the opportunity for individual confession um, as part of that. Um, but if you want to go to confession before that or after that, that's fine. Well, um, so I think that's my introduction. Any, any questions, thoughts, worries, concerns? So let just let the, well, this is kind of a, a, a week, hopefully it's a week of kind of immersing ourselves in the word of God. Um, maybe some of the, some unusual pieces of the word of God that the lectionary tends to avoid <laughs> and um, other things tend to miss. So um, see, see where this takes. It's, a, it's got also gonna be a very human week, not humid, human week. Um, and um, which is part of like studying particularly the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, the humanity of the human race is a mess. And that's what keeps showing up in many ways. And, and the, the gender, gender tensions are all over the place. The sibling rivalries are all over the place. Um, I, you know, I teach college students about the Hebrew scriptures. I usually just subtitle it, um, sex violence and dysfunctional families. Here we go. And, um, that's pretty much where God has chosen to speak God's word in, into the midst of, of humanity, the human race. So hopefully we'll get a little bit of immersion in there and see what comes out of it. Okay.